Hey, and welcome back to the Sipping with Savage podcast. It's me, Savage. What you sipping though? Today, tonight, right now, currently, I am sipping um, an apple juice with blackberry in it. And you know me and my colors of things, just so that you can remember, blackberry is not actually black. Um, It's like a dark shade of blue. The phytonutrient in blackberry is anthocyanin. Anthocyanin is really great for not dying. Um, More specifically, anthocyanin is really great for memory and preventing um, the breakdown of your cells. And that's really relevant to today because I was actually going to make this episode about something entirely else, but We'll go back. I was going to make this episode about something entirely else. Then I had another idea. Then I had another idea. Then I had another idea. Then two weeks passed and here we are. Um, But I thought I would bring all those ideas together because something important is happening kind of uh, in the ether, I would say. So as many of you already know, I read tarot and a large part of tarot and learning about the esoteric is astrology. And astrology is truly real science. I think if it's 2019 and you're still saying astrology is not real science, you got to reevaluate some things. Um, But I bring up astrology because last week on the 5th of February, we had the first new moon of the year. Um, The first new moon of the year sounds real vague and inconsequential, but actually for the first new moon of the year to come in February instead of January is really interesting to me. And I find it interesting because in January, instead of having a new moon or even a full moon, we had two eclipses. And so to have two eclipses instead of regular moons kind of put me into a bit of a tailspin. And what do I mean by that? Well, for all of, not all of, for most of January, and I can safely say for the last 30 days, um, I felt very unmotivated. Like I've known that there are things to do. I've known I have certain goals. I'm really clear on why those are my goals. But I've just like woke up some mornings like I'm not doing any of that. Why? Because I don't want to. Um, And it's not that I don't want to for any specific reason. It's not that those are not my goals anymore. It's not that I don't still want to do those things. Um, I just haven't had the motivation. And so it made me wonder if I was depressed or if not majorly depressed, then perhaps seasonally depressed. And so then I started to think about, well, I really don't want to go to a doctor for them to put me on some big pharma medication that doesn't fix the actual problem, just gives me supplementation of chemicals that will make me feel like I am not depressed, but not actually motivate me or change the way I feel. Uh, So instead of going to the doctor, I turned to a little bit of an Eastern medicine practice. I ended up going to the chiropractor And I found it really interesting that I would go to the chiropractor right as we begin this new moon. Um, 
the long story short on why I find a new moon in February so interesting is that we've kind of been living our old karma from last year into part of this year. A friend of mine and I keep saying to each other, 2019 SMH over text. And I keep like just saying to her, like 2019 is just the year of shaking my head. Like nothing correct happens or nothing happens in the way that you think that it will. But honestly, we've only been saying that to each other for the last 30-ish days because we've been living that 2018 karma in the new year and we're saying to each other, why are we doing that? Well, we were doing that because we weren't yet in a new moon cycle. A new moon cycle starts at the new moon and then for 14 days, the moon kind of like builds back up into that full moon and that part of the cycle um, is really important and imperative for finding your motivation Um, really getting clear on what your goals are and really getting clear on like what your life is going to look like once you meet those goals. And so in when? Monday, right before the new moon, I went to a chiropractor for the first time. And I don't, I've never been to the chiropractor. I also never read reviews about um, medical practice sorry, medical practitioners. Um, I read them about the practices. I read them about like, where are they? Are they next door to something crazy that I don't want to be around? But I never read them about the people until I see them. And so I went to see this chiropractor and he was not covered by my insurance just so that everyone is aware. I was told that he would be though. I go to this chiropractor and he starts asking me a lot of questions. And the whole point of the chiropractor is to like fix the physical tension in your body, but everyone knows, if especially if you listen to my podcast, everyone knows that your physical tension is created by the reality inside of your own head. And so I found it really interesting that this chiropractor would ask me so many questions about my life and about the way I felt and about You know, where do you think that pain comes from as he was first massaging me and then adjusting me? Yo, shout out to chiropractic adjustment in general. This guy was great. Um, I I imagine all the chiropractors that know what they're doing will do them great. Uh, He cracked my whole back and then my whole neck. And then he gave me these exercises to do. I haven't done them, but I should because... um, He told me that I'm going to like grow up to be one of those old ladies with a hump in my back from (laughs) such terrible posture. So I really got to do something about that. Um, But why is my posture so, so bad? He asked me that. Why is your posture so bad? What do you do for a living? What do you like? What, what does your everyday look like? And I, I just said to him, I don't know. I think I'm depressed. And he started asking me a bunch of follow-up questions. He says something along the lines of like, well, why do you think that? Have it, has a doctor said that to you? Have you been having some negative thoughts? Have you had some thoughts that you're surprised in yourself about? Um, and every one of his follow-up questions seemed very like, like he was trained to ask me those things in the event that I said I was depressed. And my answer to all of them were no. Um, I feel fine. I just don't want to do anything. And he's like, well, 
it's New York and it's cold. And I was like, yes, sir, it is. And so New York in the cold should have its own depression symptom uh, entry in the DSMV. Um, Shout out to the DSMV for in 2019 still making us think that things that go wrong in your head are disorders instead of just normal things that go wrong in everyone's head that can be solved by medicine. Um, Yeah. I wanted to read the DSMV, or at least uh, the parts about depression, but I really couldn't get myself to because I can't get on board with um, a document that seems to be heavily pushed by the pharmaceutical companies and essentially makes people feel bad about themselves for the things that they think in their heads that they don't necessarily have control over, and then also this text doesn't really give you any advice on it either. So I'm not really into reading stuff that doesn't help me at the end of reading it. So I'm not going to read that. So I'm not going to be able to tell you what depression is and is not. So if that's what you're hoping for, you can turn this off now. Um, But what's actually going to happen in this podcast is I want us to think about like what life is like right now in February. Life is a little bit depressing in February. There's like the new year has not yet taken shape. Um, You are probably still really clear on what you want this year to look like, but it doesn't make it any easier when it's dark at five o'clock and you're freezing all the time and none of your friends want to hang out with you because it's too cold and other responsibilities just seem a lot more pressing when it's not nice outside. Um, And so... Instead of writing ourselves off as, I'm depressed, leave me alone, I think we need to think of ourselves as lacking in energy and how we might manage our energy. And of course, in fitting with Sipping with Savage, how are we going to do that? How are we going to manage our energy? Probably with food. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, we're going to talk about the spice of life. But first, we have to talk about what food is killing us. So more on that in a sec. If you're not listening on Anchor, you will have missed the title of this section of the podcast. And it's entitled, How Sweet It Is to Kill Yourself. Don't kill yourself. If you are thinking about killing yourself or hurting yourself in some other way, you need to stop this podcast right now. Stop everything you're doing and call 1-800-273-8255. That is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, If you don't want to talk to anyone on the phone because nobody wants to talk to anyone on the phone anymore, um, you can actually text in all caps CONNECT to the number 741741. That's only if you live in the United States. Please get the help that you deserve. Suicide is 1,000% preventable. This is not an ad. So with all the serious stuff out of the way, how sweet it is to kill yourself. Why is my section titled this? It's titled this because sugar is killing us all. How is sugar killing us all? Well, it all starts in your cells, of course. So your cells... Sorry, go back. Sugar. Sugar is a molecule we all need to live. 
we need it, plants need it, animals need it, everybody needs it. And the uh, tendency to have a lot of sugar in our diets comes from evolution. I think it comes from when we were like hunter gatherers and there was not a lot of things to gather. There's probably a lot to hunt, but then we would have hunted it all out and might have been in a shortage in the winter, like like the season we're in right now. Um, right, so hunter, huntering and gathering, excuse me, hunting and gathering, uh, gathering, what are we gathering? Grass. Um, I don't know what would have existed back then, to be completely honest with you, because we back then didn't have all these pesticides and really um, intricate farming techniques to make things grow. Like we were kind of just stuck with whatever was around. So that's why I'm saying like, I don't know, grass, because there seems to be a lot of grass places. Um, Hopefully there was some like wheat. Hopefully uh, we thought about eating flowers, that kind of thing. But then I imagine in my little mind's eye, I imagine that someone hunting and gathering came upon like a bee's hive nest. And maybe they didn't stick their hand in it, but maybe it was like on the ground abandoned by the bees. And they had very little to lose. And so they picked it up and took a bite. And it was real sweet. And they had all this energy to like go do other things, go continue to hunt and gather, go share it with like their small child who was suddenly um, more interesting to be around after having this honey. Um, And I imagine that person who found the honey said to themselves, this is good stuff. This is very complex sugar and it keeps me active for a long time. And for me as a hunter-gatherer, and that's all I do all day, that's really important. And so it's important that I remember where to find this nutrient and it's important that I remember to eat it often. Cut to now when there's a lot of other food to eat and we don't have to hunt or gather. We all work at a normal, normal, what does that even mean? We all work at a job that's not directly related to finding and making food. And yet, I have the biggest sweet tooth ever. So please don't get me wrong in thinking that like I'm some noble non-sugar eater. That's really not the case. Uh, Take a sip of your drink. I will do that right now. Take a sip of your drink if I've been out with you and we have had to go get a second dessert. I'm taking a sip because I know myself. Anyway. So why is sugar so terrible? Well, there's so many other nutrients that we need other than sugar. So that's the first step, right? Sugar creates a, like, sorry, sugar when it's in your blood creates like a systemic response that that is essentially inflammation. Your body will attack anything that it doesn't recognize and that's called inflammation and your immune system does it. And so 
it's problematic when sugar is lingering in your bloodstream for too long because that's when your body marks it as like an intruder and then that's how your body starts this inflammatory response. And so how could we maybe stop the sugar from being in our bloodstream for too long? Well, you could eat it with other things, but like you got a chocolate bar, like are you really going to go eat a bowl of rice too? Absolutely not. Um, but I bring that up because um, there are ways to manage your sugar intake by ensuring that you're you're intaking other nutrients. And so the biggest, or I think not the biggest, the easiest way to do that is um, to eat your sugar first. And so that's going to sound like you eat your dessert before you eat your food. And I recognize that that is controversial, but hear me out. So there's a lot of studies that show for people who um, are diabetic or pre-diabetic that if they eat the carbohydrates in their diet, or sorry, the carbohydrates in their meal, so like the rice first before the protein, that the sugar in the carbohydrate or the sugar in the dessert even will give your body the energy to start to digest faster the protein that you eat after, right? And so if you can design what you're eating and like order it in such a way that you use the energy that you intake almost immediately to continue the, the digestion, digestion, I don't know why that's a hard word to say, to continue that process using the energy that you already just now took in, then it wouldn't linger in your bloodstream and then it wouldn't create these systemic problems that we encounter Right, so sugar is known as like this compound that ages you so fast. And the way that people consume sugar, myself sometimes included, um, is very reminiscent of addictive behavior. Like there will be some mornings that I wake up and I just want a soda. And I never keep soda in my apartment. If I have soda, it's usually ginger ale. Um, Craving, like, if if it was bad enough, I'm sure I would scratch myself about it. Um, And so why do I bring that up? Because it's important to think about what that means in terms of our, like, evolutionary psychology. Um, I suppose waking up craving sugar is a little bit of a bad sign and it probably means that I need to rethink my diet. And so thinking that I was depressed and going to see the chiropractor and all of that new moon energy has made me recognize that I don't need to be addicted to sugar. Like sugar is really nice, but the drawbacks are way more dangerous than the benefits. And I think that the like seeing sugar as a benefit as like helping me when all the studies are showing that it ages you that it causes full body inflammation that it will basically kill you um would indicate that (laughs) there need to be other ways at least in my head that i think i can get something sweet and that i could uh meet this sugar craving meet it in like a happier way than eating a candy bar why not eat a candy bar right like 
meet your craving. Do the craving thing. Like that's what your body wants to do and it makes you happy. So why not be happy? You want a drink, you should go have that drink. You want a candy bar, you should go have that candy bar. We'll talk about drinks in a second. Candy bar. All of the things in candy bars and other packaged foods to preserve them, our bodies, for the most part, do not recognize as food. Why is that a problem? It goes back to our immune response. If your body doesn't recognize something, it starts this immune response. And why would you start an immune response for something that you ate? Because if you start the immune response for something that you ate and then everybody's good friend influenza shows up, your body's going to be real busy fighting that thing that you ate and forget to fight everybody's good friend influenza or rhinitis or whatever else that happens to you that makes you actually physically sick, right? So then... When you have too much sugar in your diet and your body is fighting itself, that doesn't leave a lot of room for your body to fight anything else, anything that actually needs fighting. And why would you make your body fight itself? Another way that your body fights itself is like, this is going to be a little controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's true. And because I think people need to hear this. So the fat cells in your body, whether your weight is whatever it is, right? There's not a discussion of weight. There's not a discussion of vanity. There's a discussion of fat cells. Everybody has fat cells. They are everywhere in your body, mostly in your butt and on your stomach and um, in like areas that might get hit very often. So around your elbow even, um, There are pretty serious fat pockets around your brain. Without them, your brain would like rattle around in your skull and hurt itself. Everybody has fat cells. Now, if you have more fat cells than usual, then what I'm about to say happens more frequently in your body. So every fat cell in the body um, has its own immune response. So the fat cells have their own response to themselves which is why fat cells are problematic to begin with. Again, you need a small number of them. You need them for a lot of reasons. They, they cushion you when you fall. They cushion your brain from knocking against your skull. They are an energy source for the body because we don't have leaves like plants to like store our energy in. So the fat cells have their own immune response to themselves. And so as a fat cell is marking itself for destruction by the immune system, that destruction causes the rest of the body to say, oh God, there's something over there. Send the troops. Who are the troops? The troops are your white blood cells and your, what are those? They're like a type of T cell that like kills intruder cells. I suppose they're called killer cells. I don't know. That was a long time ago that I read all of this. The point I'm making is that an excess of fat cells, just like an excess of sugar, will increase this immune response, this inflammation. And we want to avoid inflammation that's not necessary because we want to stay well. 
right? When your body is using its resources inappropriately, just like anything that uses resources inappropriately, things are not going to go well. And so I bring this up about fat cells and I bring this up about sugar because they directly relate to your brain and how your brain can or cannot function. So when the body has too much inflammation going on, it starts to attack the entire system. And so there are a lot of proteins that um, promote our normal, positive, good functions that are um, very easily destroyed by these constant and chronic inflammations that we kind of cause onto ourselves. I know I'm causing it right now. There's a little bit of sugar, a lot a bit of sugar in my juice right now. Um, but how do we, like, why do we care? So why do we care? There's a protein called, uh, oh, what's it called? Brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And I bring this particular molecule up because it's in charge of some really serious stuff. Brain-derived neurotrophic factor is in charge of your memory, and it's in charge of your brain cells staying alive, and it's in charge of, we call it plasticity. So like, if I learn something right now, let's say I learn, I don't know, something out of a book and like how to apply it to my real life and maybe even how to solve a problem using it, right? Those are a lot of connections that I just made in my brain between this information and what I just did with it and how that relates to the rest of the world. All those connections could stay forever and that would be learning or I could do it once and forget it all and that would not be productive. And so the connections as we maintain them in our brain are called neuroplasticity. And so the more brain-derived neurotrophic factor. It's shortened to BDNF, but I don't like that. I think that's too many letters. Um, This protein, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, helps you maintain that plasticity, helps you maintain that growth from your memories, from the things that you know to be true, right? And I have found in the last 30 days when I've been really unmotivated that my memory is really poor, and that like I can't really recall something positive that happened the day or the week before and what it all meant. But like I have like very vague distant memory like oh like I did a thing and a cool thing happened but what was it? And so that moment of what was it kind of sets you off into a tailspin and then you have all these terrible thoughts and then your whole vibe is different and then that causes various things to happen in the body and in your life and like the whole point of being aware of any of this is to avoid that from happening to you and so how can we avoid that from happening well sugar is actually sugar has been studied and found to decrease this brain-derived neurotrophic factor and if sugar does it then alcohol does it worse now For everyone of age, I am of age, um, drinking is fun. Like, 
it's part of being with other people. It's part of culture as it is right now. It's part of being at a party even sometimes. And I am not trying to say that if you're somewhere with friends, you need to have a drink in your hand. Frankly, I am actually that person that will order sparkling water at the bar with lemon if I'm feeling bougie. But the reason that I bring up alcohol is that if sugar is ruining your brain-derived neurotrophic factor, then alcohol is doing it worse because alcohol is essentially a more soluble form of sugar. And so the sugar that comes from alcohol stays in the blood much, much longer. And there's little that your body can do to like use it up and get it out of the blood. So like that's the whole point of insulin. Like when you eat whatever you eat, the insulin like is released into the blood so that the sugar can get to where it needs to go to to act as a form of energy. And so if the sugar is no longer in the blood, it's not causing the immune response that creates all that crazy inflammation. And then it's not um, allowing the exposure of these like very small and delicate proteins like brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, it's not allowing that exposure if the sugar is out of your blood and being used where it needs to be used or being stored or it needs to be stored or whatever the sugar needs to be doing. Right? So how, how? Like, we know all this, but how are we going to do anything about it? Are we really going to stop eating the candy bars and the sugar and having the drinky drinks and all that stuff because I know that like every morning like I wake up so early that all I can think about doing is putting a packaged food stuff into my mouth such that I won't be starving right and then eventually I'll eat real food fresh food good food but like there's a reason like <laughs> life as it is right now is as convenient as it is and like we really like that convenience So am I really saying, like, make your life really inconvenient, cook every meal that you're making, never eat sugar, never have a drink? Listen to the next section. See what happens. What am I about to say? I promise it'll change your life. Okay, so let's recap that last section in, like, a haiku. If you're not aware, a haiku is seven syllables, five syllables, then another seven syllables. I have not written this down. I have not practiced this. So we're we're just going to try it. Brain-derived neurotrophic factor is great. Did you know it's linked To Alzheimer's, depression, and dementia. Was that a haiku? It was a really bad one. Um, Brain-derived neurotrophic factor is destroyed by sugar and inflammation. Um, Inflammation can be caused by an excess of fat cells in the body, an excess of sugar in the blood, and the excess of sugar in the blood is obviously a lot more problematic than the fat cells, A lot of the time you can't control your fat cells. 
you probably don't even know where they are. I know I don't know where mine are. Um, so yeah. Brain-derived neurotrophic factor is a very delicate protein. Um, a lot of the proteins that help our bodies maintain cell function and appropriate cell growth are delicate like that too. And so I had an episode, I believe it was episode four, where we discussed um, how just the thoughts in your brain create the wave vibration of all the liquid portions of your cells. And so that vibration has an effect on gene expression, right? And so it's gene expression that creates these delicate proteins. And it's the change in gene expression that will alter the amount that you have, right? It's not that like the sugar is attacking the brain-derived neurotrophic factor. No, the sugar is creating a different vibration in your body, a vibration where your body thinks it needs to attack itself. And I think that's a problem because when your body, unbeknownst to you, is attacking yourself, you in your brain are probably attacking yourself too, right? So going back to waking up in the last couple of weeks feeling like a little bit depressed and not really knowing how to explain it to people other than when they ask, all I say is, I think I'm depressed. Maybe it's seasonal. Maybe it's something else. I don't really know. But I know that I'm not going to go to a doctor and have them put me on Prozac or anything. Because frankly, I don't, I don't want that. That's a choice that I make. If you choose something else, I think that's great. And if you are able to, I think that's even better, right? There are a lot of people who need that kind of help and don't get that kind of help because it is so exclusionarily priced. We can get into that in a very different episode. This episode is more along the lines of how can we take what we know about sugar and about depression and about vibration and maybe help ourselves. So have you heard of this spice named turmeric? It's the spice of life, y'all. So turmeric is a spice from India. Um, I don't know if, I really hope that they still grow it in India because I can only imagine that it grows the best there because of the environment. Um, Turmeric is a root kind of a plant that's that's the part that you would consume it's bright yellow so bright and beautiful the uh phytonutrient the it's actually so it's a phytonutrient but more specifically it's a polyphenol poly p-o-l-y phenol p-h-e-n-o-l those compounds are really special because they are often a very bright color and they are very reactive in a good way. And so if something is reactive in a good way, that means it's probably preventing a lot of other reactions that you don't want to happen. And like, since when are, is anyone trying to stop a reaction from happening? Well, inflammation is a reaction that I would want to stop happening. Uh, same as the reaction where your DNA gets damaged and then your DNA is unable to code for delicate proteins like brain, what is it, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And so reactions like that, reactions that damage your DNA, 
those are called oxidative reactions or and like if you read about these online they're called oxidative stress essentially an oxidation reaction is a reaction in which an electron that used to be part of a compound gets removed in such a way that the compound losing the electron doesn't know what to do with itself and so it reacts with anything nearby so what happens is that the dna will get damaged by oxidation an electron gets randomly removed and then in response the dna will end up coding for something else because the dna might react with something near it in the ether which therefore would change the code of the DNA. If you change the code of the DNA, you change everything that happens after. And that can be problematic because what if the part of the DNA that got damaged was the part that was like, I'm not going to turn into cancer. I'm not going to turn into a mutant. I'm not going to stop making brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Right? So you damage that part, that part that's that's really, really pivotal to function and structure of protein, of course. You damage that part, and then you damage, not that you damage, but you change everything that happens as a result. And so how can we stop that initial moment, right? I think it's easy to stop like a terrible thought in your head, you say you hear the thought, you're like, oh, I'm so depressed, I'm sad, when And then you can ask yourself, well, what reality are you making for yourself? And then the answer to that is a depressed one. And then the, the following question is, do you want that? And then the answer should be no, and then you change your thought. DNA doesn't work like that. I mean, maybe it does. There is something to be said about changing your thoughts to change your bodily environment, but... What if that doesn't work? Well, enter the spice of life. The spice of life, turmeric, uh, the active compound there being curcumin. Curcumin has actually been studied for a long time. Um, turmeric is an Ayurvedic spice, so that means it's been around for millions of years since the Vedas were written. I don't really know what year the Vedas were written, but they're part of the ancient Indian collection of texts. They are not religious. They are mostly like a handbook. Um, there are four Vedas, I believe, if not three. And there's one Veda that's all about medicine and how plants are medicine. And if I ever find the time, I will read that. Um, but... People who grew up in South Asian households kind of grow up with that knowledge on their own. And I don't know that anyone needs to tell it to you because it's, it's evident in the lifestyle and in the cooking and in the culture and in a lot of religious traditions that are South Asian as well. Um, not that everyone's life is the same if you're South Asian, um, but I'm just saying in like the cuisine specifically, right? The spice is what makes it. And you can always tell when someone forgot whatever spice, be it mustard or masala or turmeric. And so why do I bring this up? I bring this up because these 
compounds are being studied by, I don't want to say regular people, but like regular people. Like, for example, the study that I'm citing right now is a study done by Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. And like they have found these results that say turmeric prevents cancer. And so all of this to say that um, the things that you learn in your household are not always old wives' tales. They come from somewhere. And I urge you to think about something that maybe your mother or your grandmother or just maybe no one even told you. Something that you know to be true, though, I urge you to find the the root pun entirely intended because turmeric is a root. Ha ha ha. Drink here. <laughs> uh, find the root of where that information comes from because I bet you'll be excited at the fact that it's good information. Why do I bring all this up? Turmeric is the spice of life. It stops inflammatory response. If you can stop inflammatory response, you can heal yourself better. Turmeric also, uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center found that turmeric can actually like get in touch with the DNA and stop it from being damaged in the first place. Stop it from that moment where the wrong thing gets coded and turns into cancer. Um, Turmeric would also stop these like... So oxidative stress doesn't just happen to your DNA. Oxidative stress happens to a lot of molecules in the body. And so turmeric um, kind of activates an enzyme that finds everything that's about to have like an unnecessary reaction. These things that are about to have an unnecessary reaction that are made from oxidative stress are called free radicals. And like a lot of marketing talks about free radicals, especially in skincare, but we're not talking about it in diet. And I think it's important to talk about it as a dietary um, benefit. Sorry. I think it's important to talk about a food that can prevent free radical damage as being beneficial, right? Because it's not just on our skin that free radical damage is happening. It's happening on a very small level inside the body as well. And so to have a compound that's going to prevent that damage from occurring where you can't like get your hands into is super important, don't you think? Turmeric is really the spice of life <laughs> because it's one of those spices that keeps your body like taking care of itself, right? It's not some compound that's like very specifically making more of whatever hormone so that you feel better. I'm looking at you, Big Pharma. Turmeric is something that acts systemically to not only like prevent bad things from happening, but also promote like good things to keep happening, right? So it's something that increases blood flow and stops reactions that don't need to happen from happening. And so it's good for your digestion because if your blood is flowing, then your nutrients are getting where they need to go. 
And if your blood is flowing, then your the nutrients that are still in your blood are getting all over the place. So how should we be taking turmeric? You could take a pill, take your vitamins. I'm all about taking your vitamins. But studies have shown that turmeric specifically and like spices like this, um, they are important to like have them in the diet. But if you're trying to take a supplement, that it needs to be absorbed somewhere else besides the digestive di- <laughs> digestive track. I don't know why I can't say that word today. Marbles in my mouth kind of a feeling, to be honest with you. Um, what was I saying? Turmeric. Oh, right. They studied how it's important to take it in other ways besides through the digestive tract. Um, however, I I can't think of other ways besides the digestive tract until this past week I found a turmeric oil. It comes from steam processing the root and like extracting out the oil. If it's steam processed, there are no other chemicals involved in like extracting. And where do you put it? Maybe not topically. I think that would burn. But um, I've tried it as a few drops, just two drops actually, not even a few, just two drops under my tongue because there are so many veins or capillaries or something blood-related under the tongue that really aids absorption. I mean, I'm not going to see a difference in just a few days, but... This is what I'm trying, and I've already done the research on how helpful turmeric is, so I think you should try it too. However, where are you going to get this oil from? Not just anywhere. This is not sponsored. Maybe one day it will be. Um, I have found a brand called doTERRA, D-O-T-E-R-R-A. It's only available on their website, and... They have all of these essential oils that can be used both topically and, for the most part, internally. doTERRA as a brand is unique in that its essential oils are made such that you can use them internally. Not all essential oils are made this way. I'm looking at you, Aura Casia. A lot of people are damaging their bodies thinking that, oh, it's essential oil. It's a natural organic product, so I can use all of it internally. No, they're not all compounded in such a way that you can. And so the only oil that I am currently recommending for internal use is doTERRA. Again, spelled D-O-T-E-R-R-A. They have a really beautiful website. Uh, you can buy most things on it. I just bought some really nice oils like turmeric. And I highly, highly recommend them. They had very affordable shipping. And I chose the cheapest shipping because I frankly didn't care when I got it. And it only took, uh, I guess it took a week, seven days. But it was very affordable shipping, so I'm really not that upset. And it was a very heavy package that I bought. I bought a lot of things in that package. And it didn't change the shipping price. And so I appreciate businesses that have people in mind 
on the note of having people in mind, um, doTERRA is completely ethically sourced and serves to create jobs in countries where there are none for people who some governments want to keep out of real life. Real life where you work hard and you make your own money and you do whatever you want to do with that money and you don't have to answer to anyone. I think you know where I'm going with that kind of thing. We don't have to get into that in this episode though. Turmeric, 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 turmeric. Take your turmeric. Before I found this oil um, supplement, I was taking a turmeric pill, but it was such a large pill and the directions said that I had to take two, uh, two of these giant pills three times a day. And let's be for real, I never did that. I took the, I took two every morning and then if I, if, only if, major if, and I mostly didn't, remember if I remembered at night and then I would only take two more and for a total of four but I was supposed to take six maybe that was all in my head that I wasn't working but I didn't really see anything happen and I used the entire almost the entire bottle um whereas an oil that you're administering under your tongue for optimal absorption should create results much quicker and like actual results not like oh I think my skin is clearing but that could also be the fact that I washed my face (laughs) like being honest with yourself about what's changing so I'm starting this little turmeric oil supplement I'm excited about it and I think that's also important in getting out of like a seasonal kind of a rut like trying something new for yourself to change something that you identified as problematic. I wouldn't say that I'm lacking motivation from not wanting to do things. I think I'm lacking motivation from lacking energy. And so if I were to change, make these changes that are really important to make that I have obviously gotten slack about because of the end of the holidays. I think that's a very real thing. I think no one admits like, yes, I'm a very healthy person until the holidays when (laughs) I'm around a lot of people and I have to, not that I have to, but I do go out a lot and um, it turns into something greater than yourself when you're around so many people all the time and there's the expectation that you'll be around them and where am I going with this? Take care of yourself starting with your diet cut down on the sugar cut down on the packaged things they are so convenient it's 2019 who has time to cook i'm not some housewife but you know what if you want to live you'll be your own housewife and with that i'm going to take one last sip of my little apple blackberry get my last little bit of anthocyanin and i hope you have a wonderful wonderful day And I hope this has clarified some things for you. If not, I have one last thing to say. And that is... And that is... Eat Indian food. Indian food will fix all of your problems. I promise. 
And I actually went to this place called Bombay Bread Bar um, here in New York City. It is on Spring Street between, oh God, what's it between? It's like south but west. Uh, I think it's like Spring and Sullivan or Spring between Thompson and Sullivan. It's one of those neighborhoods that's like still changing a lot. And Bombay Bread Bar is kind of a new place there. But I highly recommend it and I'm really glad that it's there now. I think what used to be there was really boring. And like it's on the corner and it's like such a bright blue kind of a... um, I want to say that the whole building is bright blue, but the part with Bombay Bread Bar in it, the outside is like such a beautiful shade of like robin's egg blue. It really catches your eye and it really makes you want to go in there. And I think it was like the menu was designed by a Top Chef winner and as if like Indian food needed a Top Chef winner, right? <laughs> um, but this Top Chef winner is really skilled at putting together Western food with Indian food. So Western and Eastern. And I went there a couple weeks ago and I, I loved everything. And why am I telling you to eat turmeric? I mean, and why am I telling you to eat at this restaurant? Well, in Indian food, everything has turmeric in it. I actually spoke to someone at this restaurant earlier today and I asked them, can you tell me which dishes have turmeric in them and they took maybe like I was on hold for five or not ten more than five minutes though and they came back and they said well it would be a shorter list if I told you what didn't have turmeric in it and it was quite a short list and I won't tell you what those things are because it's like such a small part of the menu the point I'm making is that everything on an Indian restaurant's menu is packed with these spices of life. Turmeric is just one of them. I might make this a series, Spices of Life. Let me know what you think. (laughs) Uh, What did I have at Bombay Bread Bar? I had everything because that's how you eat Indian food. You don't just order one thing and eat it by yourself. You go with at least one other person and you share all the things. What am I recommending from there? I'm recommending onion bhajia which is basically an onion ring, but all the spices are so, so on point. Like, I I can't get over how on point. It was just an onion ring, but I loved it, and I'm talking to you about it. What else did I love? I loved Hate Copy's mural in the back. I think it's a crying bride, and, like, just done so beautifully. I don't think there's any text. Um... It also might be bigger than just the crying bride. I think there's like a bride and a groom and they're like looking away from each other. It's very dramatic. (laughs) Love Hate Copy. Shout out to Hate Copy. She's really cool. And so is this place with all the Indian food. Of course, Indian food is nothing without dessert. Um, They have, they're calling it an Indian donut. At Bombay Bread Bar, but it's based on something called Gulab Jamun, which is basically a donut, but it's like soaked in this very delicious sugary syrup. Uh, also, the mango kulfi is to die, to die, to die, to die. Kulfi is 
a type of ice cream that's made with cream instead of milk. Like no milk at all, just cream. So good. So how do we eat these desserts? We eat them with the food. In India, I've been to India. In India, they bring out the food and the dessert at the same time. And to someone from the West, that's ridiculous. Like, can you wait for me to possibly finish my food? No, I can't wait for you to finish your food because you'll die if you eat all this sugar by itself at the end of your meal. (laughs) I'm trying to remember what else I had from there. I loved the onion bhajia so much, but that was just like an appetizer, small plate kind of thing. (sighs) Of course, I would have had like bread and chutney you know what i think that means i have to go back real soon shout out to bombay bread bar they are banging go check them out they're downtown spring street all right thank you so much for listening catch me next week bye